I'm really glad that that's the first words that are coming through on the recording and me going, professional, professional. podcasters. <laughs> this is Chatting Info Lit, an information literacy podcast for new library and information professionals produced for the SILIP Information Literacy Group. In this series, we'll be talking to people who have recently joined the profession, as well as those who have a bit more experience, about where they started, the projects they've been involved with, and how questions of information literacy impact upon their sector. Katie Wise is a member of the ILG New Professionals Group, currently working at a hospital based in Reading. In this episode, I'm going to talk to Katie about an information literacy project that she's been involved in. Hi, Katie. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Yes, so I work at the Royal Berkshire Hospital in Reading, um, and I've been here for about three years now. And I've just kind of been introduced to information literacy through work, and and that made me want to join the new professionals group as well, um, which has been really exciting. How did you come to become a librarian? How did you come to work at the Royal Berkshire? Well, I uh, started my kind of library career in an academic library, uh, but I wasn't actually working with the library. I was in a kind of admin role. So I got to kind of witness how a library works and uh, see all the librarians doing these amazing things. And it made me want to be a librarian and have a much more kind of hands-on interaction with people. So then I uh, applied for a library assistant role at the hospital and because uh, I, I have a degree but I don't have like a master's in, in information science so I undertook an apprenticeship um, okay. for like library assistants yeah. uh, which really that helped me kind of learn some of the theory and experience different parts of the role as well so I got a lot more experience. Um, it was only 12 months but I was able to like pack a lot of experience into that uh, it also allowed me to do a, a project as well. So um, I was able to kind of launch something myself in the hospital and do a whole dissertation about that. And yeah, so that was that was really exciting. That's so interesting. And it's quite an interesting route into librarianship as well, kind of going with the apprentice route. That's like quite an interesting way of getting kind of practical experience. You know, did you find it really helpful to kind of get that hands on feel? Yeah, yeah, it definitely. I think it helps if you're working in a role to have that kind of that chance to say, look, I don't know anything about cataloguing. Can I get some experience in that because I'm doing this apprenticeship? So it was I was able to do a lot of stuff that was outside of my role um, because I was doing the apprenticeship. I was uh, able to take on extra tasks and just really learn everything there was to learn. But also it meant that when I was working as a librarian, I already knew how to do all of that stuff because I learned it in my apprenticeship. So it sounds like you did like a lot of really varied stuff and and got to experience a lot of, of different elements of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. Um, and so you've primarily kind of been in a healthcare. Am I right in saying? Because you said you started off in like an admin role. I, I didn't really get much experience of how the academic library functioned. Um, I didn't learn much about that sector. So most of my experience has been, yeah, has been the healthcare library. So your now primary focus is kind of healthcare. So can you just 
talk to me a little bit about the issues around like information literacy and like how information literacy is kind of a focus in in healthcare? Yeah, so the main area that we look at is health literacy. So how kind of people understand health information. So it it's obviously that's an essential skill for everybody because uh, we all have to make decisions about our health. But part of what we do is help hospital staff, healthcare staff in understanding the issues around health literacy. So why it's really important that patients can understand what they're being told about their health and like they understand how to take their medications and the kind of impacts that that has on the patients, on the the hospital, on the NHS in total. So we do things like uh, training staff in how they communicate with patients uh, to really make sure that they understand what it what it's like to be in the, the patient's shoes when they're receiving all this health information that can be really daunting and especially if it's you've just been given bad news or you know you, you don't know anything about medical knowledge and someone comes out with this very long complicated word and you're like, you're like I have no idea what that means <laughs> so it's it's kind of making sure that clinical staff are, are able to have that empathy with patients um, and and explain to them in a way that the, the patients really do take in that information and, and understand it. And it's it's really important for healthcare sector in, in general because the impact that health literacy levels have is so big. Like financially, it's a huge section of the budget that's wasted on missed appointments because people aren't able to understand their their letters about uh, when their next appointment is, or they don't understand how important it is to go to the appointment. Also with cost of medication. So a lot of people, if they don't understand how to take their medication properly, then they might not take it at all, um, or they might use it in the wrong way, like um, spraying their inhaler on a cat because the cat's giving them allergies. Um, And it's like, no, you're you're just spraying it somewhere else you know that's not going to improve your health and now you've just wasted an inhaler so you know making sure that patients understand all of this is is really key and and I think kind of currently as well the NHS is is under such pressure and we see the the pressure that the staff are under and it really impacts their well-being their health as well when they're put under so much stress at work. So if we can reduce the pressures of people going to A&E when they could be going to see a pharmacist or um, going to their GP, then if they're able to understand their health better, they won't be putting too much pressure on the system, which will relieve the the time um, and, and staff will be able to focus on the patients who really need that help. So yeah, it's it's really key. That's so so interesting. So I'm I, I must admit I'm coming from kind of an academic librarian perspective because that's the only place I've ever worked. So it's so interesting to hear about like how the work around healthcare and information literacy is so it's it sort of goes hand in hand with the way that we're sort of talking to the students, but it's such a different kind of it's so it's so practical in terms of the the way that it's all kind of feeds into like the NHS in general that's so so interesting and can I ask is the inhaler on a cat story a real thing that you've heard of? It is actually yeah one of um, (laughs) someone we spoke to recently uh, we were talking about you know how important it is and and 
in our training, we've got lots of different examples, which are all real life examples. But this was one that one of our staff members had had seen. And we were like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that is amazing. Have you got any others like that? Or is that the only one? <laughs> if, if you if you want to see how bad the, the, the problem is, yeah, just ask any healthcare person like what what's the craziest story that you've heard of like people taking medications wrong um yeah there's so many stories <laughs> and it's so interesting to hear how that kind of feeds into like plays into information literacy because from a academic perspective you don't always think of it um as being kind of information literacy because I'm just not as exposed to it from that perspective but of course it is it's you know it's understanding the instructions being given and, and and being able to kind of understand the context around it and, and so many different things. So it's, it, as I say, it's, it's so fascinating to me. I, I find that so interesting. <laughs> so um, have you got any examples of a kind of information literacy practice that you've kind of, you know, performed yourself that you want to talk about? Yeah, so mainly I, I'd like to talk about a programme that we launched here at the Trust called Conversations of Care. It basically started in um, in February. We launched our first cohort of students and it was designed to help international staff at the hospital to learn more about the kind of core behaviours and values of the trust, um, which are known as the care values. So um, they stand for compassionate, aspirational, resourceful and excellent. And they're kind of the key behaviours that all of the staff at the Royal Berkshire Hospital should be showing and demonstrating in, the, in their roles. So what, what the programme is, is designed to do is to kind of increase the, the knowledge and awareness of those care values. But because it's designed specifically for international staff, so it's kind of written around uh, English as a second language. So all of the content is much more engaging. It's all kind of conversation based to encourage staff to have English conversations and build up their vocabulary, learn new phrases and just kind of build up their confidence with speaking about about these values. So that's kind of like why it was designed. Uh, I started by kind of observing the sessions and like helping to design it. But then I was then given the course to run so then I launched the second cohort in May and we've just finished cohort six. So we've fitted in quite a lot of training um, <laughs> this year, but it was uh, it was really good to get lots of people on this course after each cohort, reflect on like what the, each cohort brought something different to it and um, had different conversations, had different reactions to the games, which was really interesting. So after each one, I was kind of learning something new and making a little change and then I'd try something different in the next one. So it was, it was kind of good to have lots of different uh, cohorts going through in the space of kind of roughly a year to kind of really try out different material and, and learn from it. So it was six cohorts and it was over the space of about a year, did you say? Yeah, roughly. So you're talking about um, talking to kind of primarily sort of was it English as second language? Yeah. Sorry, I'm using like I'm using my academic <laughs> term. For, so it was people who who were speaking English as their second language. So the focus was kind of talking about these care values and also kind of helping them to practice their English. Am I right? In that? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, 
There was also kind of the element, so the care values make up a big part of our appraisals. And so in order to kind of get promoted or to like develop further in your career, you'd need to be able to show that you can demonstrate these values in your role. And part of the issues that we were finding were that people weren't able to kind of find the words to describe how they were demonstrating these values. Um, and it, it was really interesting. One of my one of the learners said to me, oh, I do this all the time. Yeah, I, I that's something I do it daily. I do it literally all the time. And I was like, I know you do. And she was like, I didn't know that that's what it meant. Like, I can now write that down and say, yes, I demonstrate it in these ways. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. You are doing this stuff already. It's just being able to kind of explain in different ways, in more practical ways, what does empathy mean? What is it to be compassionate? What does it mean to be aspirational? You know, and actually unpack those words um, has, has really been beneficial for them to demonstrate in their appraisals and to show their managers and to show their teams, yes, I am already doing this. So that kind of sounds like it feeds in a bit to what you were saying before about like information literacy in the healthcare setting, because it's giving them the words to kind of express what they're doing. And that can then be kind of passed along to the patients. Am I right in sort of saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with the compassionate, well, all of the care values link so intricately to patient care. Um, obviously, that's kind of at the heart of everything that we do. But especially with the compassionate one, we talk a lot about what is it to be caring to a patient and to show empathy with a patient, improving your communication with your patient. So, again, I've, I've built some health literacy training into that session to really explain this is what your patient is feeling in this moment how would you change your communication to help them understand um so yeah it's it's really intricate and um really involved in health literacy absolutely how did they engage with with the program how did the learners kind of find it so we uh promoted it through um managers to kind of say do you have international staff who you think would benefit from this from this course. We also limited it to uh, bands one to four, so the kind of lower bands in the trust, because we kind of recognised that there wasn't that much on offer specifically just for those staff. And I think it was the second cohort, they had said to me that um, when they did training with higher bands, the lower bands didn't always get a chance to kind of interact and speak up. So it, it was nice to give them a chance where it's like, I want to hear from you and I want you to speak up. Like no one is going to speak over you. No one's going to dominate the conversation. Um, this is a chance for you guys to, you know, have a chat and tell me your thoughts about this. So it's, it was nice to kind of limit it just to those bands. And we also kind of uh, promoted it through if we were delivering training, we, we would also kind of promote it that way. That's that's so interesting because, uh, you know, it's sometimes challenging to reach the people you want to reach with with training when you're running any kind of information literacy intervention. There's yeah. always sort of um, the challenge of trying to make sure people know about it and trying to make sure you're, you know, getting to the, to the people who really need it. So it sounds like you were quite successful and able to kind of reach it. And, and by limiting it almost, you're able to kind of give those people more of a safe space. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was able to give them 
a chance to really just focus on themselves. Yeah, and interact with others as well at the same kind of position that they are in as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they yeah. they really liked meeting other people um, in the trust in in similar bands and similar job roles, and they've already like started offering tours of their departments to to the other people on their course and stuff, which has been really lovely to see. When you conducted this information literacy intervention, I keep calling it that, I'm not sure if that's kind of the term you'd use. So you had kind of activities involved. How did you kind of come up with those? When I received the course um, in May, uh, the, the course was already five weeks long. So it was five sessions of kind of about an, an hour and a half for each one. And that was set up so that the first week was kind of like a welcome introduction and kind of general overview of the course. And then the the four weeks, so each week was focused on one of the care values. So the first week was compassionate, second week was aspirational, et cetera. And uh, so that way, each session really focused in on that value, on the behaviours related to that value. But I wanted to make it a little bit more interactive um, and engaging because part of what I wanted to do, obviously, is very conversation based. So I wanted to make sure that all of the activities involved having conversations, whether it was like me asking them them questions or them asking each other questions or like all of us kind of playing a game and discussing the answers and stuff like that. So um, I wanted to make sure that each week had a couple of interactive elements and I wanted to kind of change it up as well. And I'm really lucky that I was basically given free reign to design whatever I wanted which was which was really helpful because I could try out different things and just see how it went and I, I would keep going to my bosses and being like I, I want to do this and they're like yeah go for it it's like really okay so yeah I had different games like so one of them you've got this kind of paper maze in front of you and you work in a, in a group or in a pair and one of the one person closes their eyes and they've got to move this little token through the maze with their eyes closed. And so the first time you do it, their partner can give them help um, and kind of like direct them or move their hand through the maze. Um, and then they do the activity again, but this time they're not allowed to give any help. So they've got to just do it themselves, blindfolded, and have have no support from anybody and it was it was really fascinating because every time I did the game uh, with all the different cohorts everyone did it slightly differently and there would be some people that would like painstakingly go okay slightly forward okay slightly to your left slightly to your right and it'd take them about five minutes to get through but they they directed them for every little moment which was great and then other people would just grab their hand and move it through the course and they would just give over all control to that person. Um, so then afterwards, we would discuss, like, you know, how does it feel kind of giving support to somebody? Um, how does it feel to kind of have to trust someone else that you don't really know and just say, look, I can't see what I'm doing. Can you take me through this? And also, like, how does it feel watching somebody who you you want to help? You can see that they're struggling and you can see the way through, but you're not allowed to give them help or you can't give them help. And my favourite moment was when somebody, they they desperately wanted to help them. They really, they couldn't help themselves. They were like, oh, I have to help. So they kept going, 
come on, you're almost there. You've got it. No, just a little bit further. You can do it. And I was like, that's so lovely. Like I told you, you can give them any support, but you still, you had to, you had to give them that like encouragement, even though you couldn't tell them where to go. You were like, no, no, I'm here for you. You've got this. You can do it. And I was like, oh, that was just such a lovely moment to witness. <laughs> that like warms my heart. That sounds so sweet. Yeah, and, absolutely. And it kind of also like, I know it's kind of the way that you um, you did that activity was kind of to help with the care values, but it also kind of ties into like other elements of information literacy, because it always feels like at times we're trying to guide the, uh, in my case, students through the maze of like understanding like the information landscape and stuff. But there's some times where you can't help or you, you, you know, and it's it just sounds like such an interesting activity and a, 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 like a, a cool way of kind of getting you to understand the other person's perspective yeah absolutely yeah there was so much in in a really simple game which I actually just I added in as a last minute oh I think this is a bit too short let's add in a quick game um but it's really proved to be the one that that links to so many different elements of what we're talking about like when we talk about supporting each other um and considering other people's points of view and also what what can you do when we can't help, because there are always going to be those situations in healthcare where you you want to help somebody, but you physically can't, that there's some sort of barrier in the way. So it kind of generates that discussion as well about kind of how can we overcome things like difficult situations. Mm. Um, but also kind of like it, it generates so much discussion, um, but it was just a, a, re- a very quick activity. Um, and, and it's one that I've said to them as well, like you can use this activity when you like with your team or on the ward, because it's it's a really fun thing to do. And it's very quick and easy, like as long as you've got a picture of a maze and something to move through, like you don't need anything else. So it's really easy to to duplicate and, and use elsewhere. Thank you for sharing that. That's such an such an interesting like activity. I, I, yeah. And so many things from it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Was there kind of any challenge with this project like you say you took this project on you watched it being done and then you took it on yourself and and it sounds like you took it on kind of being a new professional um you know you were encouraged to expand it out and and be able to do your own things but did you find any kind of challenges with taking it on like overall it was really positive and I'm I'm so glad that I have been able to do it but there were times where it was really difficult and I think yeah because I was a new professional well because I am a new professional and I I was given the course because uh, the person who was running it left and um, because I'd observed some of the sessions I was kind of the person who knew the most about the course basically and so I I, I kind of felt a bit like I, I've been given this this opportunity and the course hasn't been given to the library it's been given to me specifically and I just kind of saw it as like I really want to do a good job and I want to show you that they didn't make a mistake in giving it to me, which put quite I put quite a lot of pressure on myself, really. So I I probably scheduled too many cohorts um, <laughs> because they they took a lot of time. So for, for May and June, I was running two cohorts at the same time, which was five sessions each which was a lot of hours and then whenever I would get an email from someone being like oh I I really want to do this course I was like okay well let's get you scheduled in for next month I'm not running a course then but let's put another cohort in make sure you get the chance to be get this training 
And um, so I kind of, I did push myself um, quite a bit with like making sure that everyone who had expressed interest in it did get trained by the end of this year. And uh, luckily, like, yeah, they they all did receive the training in the end. But I kind of, I reached just December and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. <laughs> I've delivered like 150 hours of this training and I'm just knackered now. So I think, yeah, that was the kind of main main challenge was, I think the expectation that I put on myself um, to do a good job, but also like I felt a kind of duty to the staff because they had shown interest and they they clearly like wanted to attend, they wanted to learn from it. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't gonna let them down, which uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so I did probably push myself a little bit too hard, but I, I think sometimes that's something that new professionals will do if they're kind of given that that option or that opportunity uh, to show what they can do. And and through this, I have shown like my team, I've shown the, the trust that I have done a good job, which is is brilliant. I, I'm really proud of what I've achieved and, and hopefully the, my trust and my team are as well. But yeah, I, I, I think because sometimes there's that kind of, I don't really know how to explain it, <laughs> I I completely understand what you're saying as a as a fellow new professional I completely understand I think there's a lot of expectation and a, a lot of that expectation comes internally I think we all yeah. we want to do well we want to prove that we can take on these projects um, but it does sometimes lead to kind of potential burnout because you know we yeah. we are only human <laughs> you know we can only do so much you know you you want to do well and you want to like you know be able to help and that's the other thing as well is it it comes down to helping other people so you really want to do well on their behalf but I think that balancing act is something that maybe I I would hope comes with experience Um, but you know we'll see (laughs) how did they uh, the learners receive it did they uh, did you receive kind of positive feedback from the course yeah um I I I received some really lovely comments from people um, because this is a very practical course. We're talking about changes that you are going to make in your role. So I wanted to to see like what they had identified that they were going to go away and make and do differently. They listed things like um, that they'd learned about care values, which was great because I was like, that's that's the whole point. Um, But also like how to implement them. They learned like new phrases that they could use in their job and things that they could do to help their appraisals. So like courses that they could go on to imp- like help with their development um, and the different resources that the trust offer that they're going to take up on and they're going to use because now they're a bit more aware of them. And many people said that they would practice having more conversations, which again was wonderful. Like um, a lot of people said that they weren't very confident about speaking up because their English wasn't wasn't great but actually the course had helped their confidence grow and so now they when they had ideas when they had things they wanted to raise they were going to speak up in in team meetings and um you know when they're on the wards and stuff and and also have more conversations with patients so I trained a, a lot of healthcare assistants and so they have a lot of direct contact and a lot of communication with patients when they're they're helping them and and some of them were like, well, I know my English isn't very good, so I I kind of shy away from having those conversations. But they were like, well, actually, I want to develop my conversations. So yeah, let's let's talk to the patients. Let's ask them, is there anything I can do to help? 
and and so that was really nice to see that they were going to develop that kind of caring side as well. That's so wonderful. So it sounds like the improvement and or the benefit of the course wasn't just for them, but it also kind of passes along through them to the patients as well. So that's such a huge reach that this is able to kind of have. Yeah, I think if if it can even just help one person improve their patient care, I think that that's a good job done, really. Why do you want to share this story with new professionals? Why do you think this is a, a, a useful you know, why is this kind of important for the profession at the moment, would you say? I'd like new professionals to kind of hear about, um, especially in healthcare, I, I don't see a huge amount of projects solely run by a new professional. When I was a library assistant, I didn't get as many opportunities to deliver training by myself. And the option to actually create a whole training program and choose what I'm going to include and work out exactly how I want to teach that information um, and reflect on it and evaluate it and and then change it and try again with a different cohort like this has been an incredible opportunity but I'm, I'm I'm also kind of aware that this might be quite a unique opportunity for a new professional so I'd like to encourage new professionals if there is something that they want to to run by themselves or something that they want to kind of like a project that they want to to take ownership of and kind of see it through so being able to make those decisions and implement it and see what the reaction is it's just been such a great learning opportunity for me that I think it would really benefit new professionals to say actually there's this key skill that I want to design a program for and to be able to kind of run with it and I I think that that's the the learning benefit from it would just be so valuable for any new professional that they could then take that to another job or to a promotion and say I I designed this whole program I ran it I learned so much from it and I think that would be really helpful for their development. Yeah I think that's that's so important and as you say like I think there's some you know I, I personally as a, as a new professional myself like there's times where you don't have as many opportunities to kind of see things from start to finish and I think you know putting yourself out there to kind of grasp at those opportunities and then seeing it through to experiencing the impact and seeing the kind of completion of the project can be so beneficial for your own you know confidence as a new professional and kind of seeing how improving and, and supporting other people with their kind of information literacy and, and other elements of uh, information literacy practice etc can be can be beneficial absolutely I think also the the kind of warning don't put that pressure on yourself to deliver something to absolute perfection to the point where you burn out um, because yeah absolutely I if I could go back and change something it would be to not put so much pressure on myself and try and fit so much training into one go. So my my plan for next year is to deliver a cohort every other month so that I do have that time in between each one to kind of rest and get myself back into a a place because otherwise I'm not an effective teacher if I'm burnt out as well. So um, you know that's a a key thing that I've learned but I would also want to make sure that other people don't do that as well. So uh, just a few final questions around information literacy before we we start to wrap up the podcast. 
So what does information literacy mean to you? You've kind of already talked about this at the beginning of the podcast because we when we spoke about um, your, your you know, discussions of health literacy, it sounded like that kind of element of information literacy is really meaningful to you. For me, with health literacy especially, I think it's very important to kind of ensure that patients have that understanding. I know I said it earlier, but I had a lot of health issues growing up. And the only way that I could kind of take control of it was to kind of make sure that I was understanding exactly what my doctors were telling me, that I was kind of getting all the information that I needed. And I wasn't kind of afraid to to talk back to my doctors and be like, hold on, I don't know what you're saying. I need you to talk to me in a different way because I'm a child and, you know, I, I need you to explain it better to me. But there is a, a lot of patients don't have that confidence. And, and it took me many, many years to have that confidence to say to a medical professional and to a doctor and say, look, what are you talking about? So um, I think that there definitely needs to be some understanding that actually, yeah, patients are in this position where they're very overwhelmed and they they want to they want to say, hold on, don't know what you're talking about, but they probably don't feel like they can um, because they're talking to someone who is an expert um, and they don't want to question their decisions. But there's potential to have really disastrous mistakes. Um, there's been several times where people have tried to give me medication that I'm allergic to. But I've had to say, I've had to stop them and be like, hold on, talk to me. What are you giving me? Okay, I can't have that. And, you know, it's it's only because I have taken control of my, um, my health conditions and I have the confidence to say, hold on, stop. What are you doing? And questioning their decisions. Um, but a lot of people don't have that confidence. So we need to kind of have that understanding, have that communication. Um, I think that's the the key thing that I've learned throughout this course as well, is communication is really key in just everything, in teamwork, in healthcare, like everything. Communication is is a skill that we all need to work on. Yeah, and communication and being able to kind of adjust for the audience. And also, it kind of sounds like for you, information literacy kind of ties into like patient as, ad- and forgive me if I'm saying it incorrectly, but patient as advocate. Um, yeah, absolutely. Finding health information um, has has been kind of really important when when you're diagnosed with a condition and immediately you need to know as much as you can about that condition and so kind of where you go for that information and how you interpret what you're reading I think is so critical so I I definitely have done that and um, I think it's really important obviously yeah we all go to Google Um, I did too (laughs) Um, but um, it's also, you know, it's it's not a bad thing to go to Google, but you've got to have those information skills of, okay, how am I going to choose which site I'm going to read up on? Um, how do I assess this information? Like, is this actually correct? Like, is this just a really awful site that I should not be reading about and it's going to make me really <laughs> uh, feel awful about myself? Um, so I think, yeah, kind of how how we're finding and interpreting the health information um, absolutely is is something that I've used a lot and and I will continue to do for the rest of my life. (laughs) So one final question for you. If you were to have a definitive information literacy reading list, 
Have you got a specific book or resource you would add to that reading list? There is a book uh, about health literacy, which I found quite helpful, especially when I'm teaching health literacy, um, because it kind of talks about practical ways to communicate health messages. Um, so it's called Health Literacy from A to Z uh, by Helen Osborne. And yeah, it, it kind of it gives you an overview about health literacy um, and the impact and the benefits and, and everything. But yeah, also practical ways to communicate about health. Uh, when I'm teaching about health literacy, the one thing I want them to take away is how are you going to change your communication? How are you going to communicate this this message? So I think that that's the, the main thing that we can do to, to improve um, health literacy, understanding and awareness. Thank you so much. And thanks for that wonderful discussion. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you.